0: Welcome, and thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church, Kannapolis, North Carolina. As senior pastor, Dean Hunter shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. I trust that you have felt the presence of God here today If he's king, then you have, no doubt. If he's not king, you're probably wondering what's going on, and that's all right. If you have a Bible, I hope you brought it today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter number 21. Of course, today is Palm Sunday, and the events of Palm Sunday are found in all four of the Gospels, In the New Testament, for whatever reason, of course, Easter is every Christian's favorite holiday. (laughs) Some of you are thinking, well, there wouldn't be an Easter if there wasn't a Christmas. (laughs) You can have Christmas, but Easter is why we are here. The resurrection is why Christianity exists. Without the resurrection, Paul said, this is all foolish, this is all in vain, we're just hanging out, we might as well, I'm not going to say go somewhere else, but without the resurrection, and next week, be here. Every born-again Christian ought to wake up on Easter and go to church. You know the next line. Every born-again Christian ought to wake up every Sunday and go to church (laughs) because it's Sunday that we celebrate the resurrection every week. That's why we go to church on Sunday. But today is Palm Sunday, and for whatever reason, Palm Sunday's always been one of my favorite passages of Scripture, the events that take place on Palm Sunday. And um, a few years ago, I find myself the older I get, saying a few years ago and finding out that was 30 years ago. <laughs> but um, a few years ago, I went and made my first trip to Israel. And um, I remember, even though it's a little different than it would have been 2,000 years ago, going down the path of Palm Sunday Road. And it just really came into life and really um, my, my thoughts toward the Scripture and the events just kind of came into vivid reality and you can imagine what this must have been like there's a lot of things that took place the week before Jesus was crucified buried and rose again Palm Sunday is really considered the, the first day of Holy Week uh, we say Holy Week in the Baptist Church people get nervous <laughs> um, it's alright to say Holy Week anything involving Jesus is holy and a lot transpired the week of Palm Sunday, and really, uh, or prior to the resurrection. but Palm Sunday is what most would consider biblically, kind of the, the first step toward the cross and all that transpired that day. And I want us to stand, as we honor God's word this morning and read verses 1 through 10, which include the events of Palm Sunday. While you're standing, certainly appreciate you being here today. Those of you who are visiting, I've mentioned it, but appreciate you showing up here, and we trust that no one's told you to move and that you have anybody's seat. If it happens, I'll meet you after. Point them out, and we'll scold them publicly in front of the whole church (laughs) next week. Uh, Matthew chapter 21 Verses 1 through 10. And when they drew nigh into Jerusalem and were come to Bethpage, a real city, real town, you can go there, until the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, go into the village over against you, and I'm going to not use the King James word here because I'll get a lot of people's attention, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her, loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, uh, why are you doing this? If any man ought unto you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. I think this is part of why I love this passage. Two random rednecks going and stealing a donkey (laughs) and expecting to get by with it. And they do. All this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet saying, and now he quotes Zechariah. Tell you, daughter of Zion, behold, your king comes unto thee, meek and sitting upon a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and they brought the donkey and the colt and put them, put him on, put their clothes on, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strolled them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Thank you, preschool. You couldn't get them to say Hosanna? That's all right. (laughs) Let's pray. Ask God to bless his word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. God, may we not read and study and preach and hear this passage today as if it's some fairy tale because it really happened in a real place. With a real man called Jesus, your son, remind us what this passage means, who this Jesus really is. In our finite minds, allow us to see the people there, put ourselves in their place, and ask the question, Which type of person are we in this crowd? God bless your word. Convict hearts today. May your Holy Spirit have freedom to convict people of their sin, convict lost people of their lostness. May someone be saved today. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. For several weeks now, we've talked about, preached about heard about perspectives as I've studied this passage again like many many times before what came to my attention was there's a lot of different people in the crowd that day and as I studied I really narrowed down to two different perspectives and I want to preach on the thought of perspectives of Palm Sunday We've said the perspective is the capacity to view things or events in their true relation or relative of importance. There's no question that the event of Palm Sunday was like nothing that we had ever seen or people had ever seen before in the New Testament in the life of Jesus. And like anything else, even today when we read this passage of Scripture, there are different people who have different perspectives about what took place. If we're honest, there are people, and I'm quite aware that there are a lot of skeptics, a lot of so-called atheists, who would like to think and like to convince people that what I just read is, as I said earlier, just a fairy tale. It's some children's book. Now, it does change things when you can... Go to the places that are mentioned, which we're going next year. Some of you are signed up already. We'll walk the Palm Sunday Road. Looks a little different today. It's paved, which you're grateful for. But it is about 60-degree incline, so don't fall or you'll end up in the Kidron Valley really quick and be the life of the party. But even in this crowd of people, I believe there are at least two perspectives That I want us to look at today. We had communion last Sunday night, and I read this passage of Scripture found in Luke chapter 9. I said that earlier that Palm Sunday is considered like the first day of Holy Week. But it's clear, and it's important for Christians to understand. It's important for us to, when we read Scripture, to understand this wasn't the first time Jesus made a decision to go to the cross. Jesus was born to go to the cross. He was born to be the sacrifice for the sins of the world. In Luke chapter 9, we read it Sunday night. It came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face toward Jerusalem. Now this is days before Palm Sunday. But there was a turning point, if you will, in the three and a half year uh, earthly ministry of Jesus where it was time. And I don't want to go through all we did Sunday night, but I wanted us to get in a a frame of mind where we, in our human minds, could try to put ourselves where Jesus would have been. Now Palm Sunday takes place. It's important, and I'd hate to overlook this, that this text is a fulfillment of a prophecy from the minor prophet Zechariah, Which quite honestly, nobody really knows much about Zechariah the prophet other than he prophesied this day would happen. In Zechariah chapter 9 verse 9, 500 years before Jesus was even born, this minor prophet under the inspiration of God prophesied that baby Jesus would become man Jesus and would one day enter into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. 500 years before he ever did it. Now, it really wasn't unheard of, if we're going to be contextual, that kings many times would enter into a city, but not all of them on a donkey. It had a significance. What's interesting and and what puts it into context, and I hope we'll wrap our minds around this, is for centuries, the Jewish nation was looking for a king. The prophets have foretold about a king. Zechariah had foretold about a king. I want you to listen to what Zechariah really says. I've, I've alluded to the passage, but I want us to get the context of Zechariah. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, the first words are, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. This is important to understand. You know anything about Jewish history, Bible history? You know that the Jewish nation had been oppressed, imprisoned, in bondage for their life. Here they are, God's chosen people, the apple of God's eye, but they are constantly in battles, constantly being overtaken, constantly in bondage. The stories that parents would read to their children were stories of hope, stories of encouragement because they were a discouraged people. And so Zechariah, 500 years before Jesus is ever born, says, rejoice greatly, Israel. Now, that's a good place for a little 20 second timeout to encourage the church. You can be discouraged, but there's hope, there's encouragement, and we can read God's word and you can hear him say, rejoice greatly, oh believer, because we live in constant, if we're honest, states of discouragement when we look around us and the oppression on the Christian world. Now, for visitors and for people that don't pay attention every Sunday, I am not one who believes the church has taken the place of Israel. Two completely different groups of people. We're not replacement here. But we do have words of encouragement. And so, Zechariah says, rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout. For honest, there's times we don't feel like shouting. But we have words of encouragement to help us. Why? Because your king cometh. And I think about these parents and these grandparents who are living in poverty, living in bondage, living under, in Jesus' day, Roman authority, and but they could they could still teach their children from Zechariah 9-9, rejoice, grandson, rejoice, (laughs) rejoice, daughter, rejoice, family, when they get together. Hey, it's not always going to be like this because our king is coming. Now, what's important to understand is not all of them understood what type of king was coming. They were looking for a king to deliver them, a Messiah to deliver them from political bondage, from military bondage, from financial bondage. But they knew the king was coming. And they had hope. And he says, rejoice. So Zechariah is writing to a group of people who are discouraged, and he's writing them to encourage them. Your king is coming. I think it's important for us to understand the type of king that Jesus is. Our text is very clear that he is Righteous. And Romans on Wednesday night, we've been teaching through Romans. We've made it in about three months through chapter three. <laughs> One of the foundational truths of the book of Romans is that Jesus, that God is righteous. Which means he is just. Which means everything he does and everything he is, is right. And the word to this nation is that he is just. That he is salvation. He offers true salvation. He comes in humility and meekness and humility. He offers peace. He comes in peace is what our text says. I think it's important for us to understand that Jesus came in peace. Part of that picture was on a donkey, not on a horse, not on a stallion, but on a donkey. But I I like to remind the church often that Christianity, Jesus, the Christ of Christianity, comes in peace. But he causes a disturbance. And he himself said, you think I came to bring peace? No, rather war, rather division. Yeah, Christianity is a peaceful religion. But have you watched the news lately? You see the people being targeted? It's those who practice a peaceful religion. They're the ones who are blacklisted. They're the ones who have the FBI and the IRS and everybody else coming knocking on their door. There he goes. But it's those who practice a so-called peaceful religion that's also known as terrorism who get a pass in everything. Because we became a world, a nation of all religions, except Christianity. You say, well, that's politics, no, that's Bible. And Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you. That's context too, by the way, for those of you who might not think it is. If you follow Jesus, even in a peaceful way, there will be conflict. There will be division. And there will be war. So he comes in peace. And he comes as righteous. And he comes offering true salvation. This is the king that Israel needed. And this is the king that you and I need. Just like Israel, many of them were looking for the wrong type of king. Many of us. Many people around us are looking for the wrong type of king. They're looking for the wrong type of savior. They're looking for someone to save us from war. They're looking for somebody to save us from a $17 trillion debt. They're looking for somebody to save us from the killings and the murders and the injustice. I'm still in Bible. And they're looking for a man to do it. They're looking for maybe a woman, Title IX. we got a couple women candidates in. (laughs) They're looking for a party to do it. They're looking for a a group of people to do it. And the answer is, none of those will do it. This, this This is the discouraging part. There's not a person, party, or group that you and I can vote for that will save us in the way we need saved. And a Christian knows that. That's why we can get upset and throw stuff and then go to bed and sleep. <laughs> right? I'm the only one that does that. Can't believe he said that. What a... Uh, mm, 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 uh, uh. Jesus is king. Right? Right? <laughs> That's why we can have peace in this unpeaceful world. That's why we can have joy, even when it doesn't seem like there's anything worth having joy about. That doesn't mean we sit back. I had to throw this in. Doesn't mean we sit back and say, well, God's in control. He'll take care of it. No, we, we got to get involved. He's the king the world needs. I'm always fascinated by Jesus taught it. The gospels teach it. The the twos in the in the gospels. There's uh, only two types of people in the world: lost and saved, believers and unbelievers. There's no I almost believers. There's no well I believe some of it. There's believers and there's unbelievers. There's lost. There's saved. There's Christians. There's non-Christians. This is gonna don't take offense, Jesus. There's sheep and there's goats. There's two ways, narrow that leads to everlasting life and few there be who find it. And there's a broad path that leads to destruction and many there be who follow it. Only two. (laughs) We're going somewhere? (laughs) There are two people. I've read the text a 100 times. I've read all four Gospels several times of this text. But there's at least two different groups of people, two different perspectives that we see on Palm Sunday. It's in this text, and I want us to see it today. There are those who cried, Hosanna, and there are those who said, who is this? I'm I'm fascinated by this. I started preaching it to my wife last night. I said, this this passage has always fascinated me. I just don't understand how this could happen. But I hope we kind of understand it today a little more. Those who cried, Hosanna. There's a lot of people in the crowd. I wasn't there, haven't seen pictures, but based on the text, there's hundreds if not thousands of people. I think it's always important for us to see Jesus in the scriptures and see the multitudes follow him. We're not talking about four or five people. There's multitudes, there's disciples, plural, not just 12. There's a lot of people that follow Jesus around. And on this day, there's no question in the multitudes of people, there's a lot of different folks. I put in my notes, it always reminds me every Sunday, there's a lot of different folks. A lot of different perspectives in the crowd. You would think at a Baptist church like this, a good, perfect Baptist church with perfect people, perfect pastor, perfect ministries, all that fun stuff, that everybody would be on the same page. But we're not, always. There's always some different opinions. And if we're honest with, with each other, at this church and every church and all churches all over the country, even Baptist churches, Christian churches, there are people in the crowd who are born-again believers and they say Hosanna and they crown him as king and they don't have a problem letting anybody know there are some that aren't so sure there are some skeptics in the church every Sunday there are skeptics online every Sunday there are some Chinese and Russians and IRS and FBI on Sundays watching <laughs> I think about that <laughs> I really do I went on YouTube the other day, and um, I guess my kids had searched Central Baptist Church or something. I don't know because there was a lot of things on there that I hadn't searched, and Central Baptist Church was one of them. And one YouTube of last year had 1.7 thousand views. My wife said, what, "What was that?" I said, "I didn't. I didn't open. It. I don't know what I did. I don't know what anybody did." And I started thinking. What did I say? <laughs> another one had 1.4 and something thousand, almost 1.5 thousand views. I'm like, are, that, are we that good? <laughs> Somebody in this section is thinking, well, I sang that Sunday. That's why they were there. I we go. I could sense it. That was another one that had a thousand views of, of a certain person or two singing that Sunday. I know it happens, but a 2,000? I got nervous. I'm knocking on my door. They're skeptics. They're deniers. They're believers. And there were even Pharisees in this crowd as this parade, if you will, continued on. In verse number 8, it says, "...a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees." And a good old southern word, they strawed them in the way. Why did they do this? This was contextually, this is what they would do for kings. In 2 Kings, imagine that, chapter 9, verse 13, they hasted and took every man his garment and put it under him on the top of the stairs and blew a trumpet saying, Jehu is king. This is when Jehu was. Uh, anointed as king, and so this was natural. They went and grabbed their stuff and threw it down, and he came down the stairs. They were honoring him as king. It's a picture of submission. Take off my coat, throw it down. Now, I don't know why some people use palm branches. I think it's because they only had on one layer. I don't know. It's taken a while. (laughs) That would have been a parade. (laughs) It's a picture of submission to an authority as king. Taking off my outer garment and throwing it down, throwing down palm branches as he steps over them, as he's on top of them. It's a picture of submission. So there are people in the crowd who are true believers who are submitting to him as king of kings and lord of lords. But there's some in there that's probably... Like many people on Sunday, don't know what they see in this. I didn't get a thing out of that. So when you cross your arms, it's showing us, so don't do that anymore. But it's the faces, it's the experiences, it's the what's this all about? And that's a good thing because not just Christians should come to church. We want some non Christians coming to Baptist churches where the gospel is preached. But in this crowd, there's multitudes, some before and some behind. I want you to see this picture. Those who went before, verse 9, those who followed, crying, Hosanna to the Son of God. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means save us now. It's an actual action word that speaks of a time frame. It's not just save us, it's save us now. It's acknowledging that he is the Savior, he is the one. Now, I know, I know there are people in the crowd, and I know some of you are thinking this. There are people who were saying, save us, but they were thinking political, military. There were. I would call them, um, quote, unquote, worshipers. Same way in church today. There, There are people who want Jesus for all the benefits, well, if I, if I give my heart to Jesus, he'll give me a new job. Or if I go to church, i probably get a raise this week. Or if I, if I worship Jesus, he'll take care of me. He'll protect me. Won't have any hardships. Why, why do you think this pastor is so adamantly against those false preachers and teachers who send a false message to people that if you just sign up God will bless you it's not true it's not true Job was sold out to God and nobody even wants to think about going through what Job went through but he was sold out a few days and full of troubles We go through difficult times as Christians. There's still deaths as Christians. There's still cancer as Christians. There's still hurt as Christians. There's still grief as Christians. There's still bills as Christians. Man, I I give my heart to Jesus. I hope he'll take care of that credit card. (laughs) You say, well, that's crazy. Well, there's some crazy preachers teaching pretty much that. I believe there are people in the crowd who knew the scriptures. I believe there are people in the crowd who were true worshipers, who had a true understanding of what salvation was that was being offered. Because there are scriptures that teach to that. In Psalm chapter 118, I believe the nation of Israel knew the Psalms. Verse 25 and 26, Save now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity, Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. They are quoting the Old Testament passages as Jesus comes down Palm Sunday Road. These are people who know the scriptures, who believe the scriptures, who believe by faith that this is him. And there's some that are fake worshipers. There are some shaking their head. There are Pharisees. We know another text who say to Jesus, hey, shut them up. I could have preached that one and it took a whole different angle. But there's some Pharisees on the Palm Sunday Road while, the, while the, the people are praising him and worshiping him and they say, hey, tell them to stop. And Jesus says, if I tell them to stop, the rocks will cry out. A lot of different people on this road. But I want us to look at those who say, Hosanna. Those who say, save us. Those who believe by faith. Yeah, Old Testament saints are saved by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith chapter, by faith, Abraham, by faith, Moses, by faith, Rahab. Anybody, anybody, anyone who ever gets saved will get saved by faith through grace. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things hoped not seen. There are people in this crowd who cried, Hosanna, who by faith believed that He was the Messiah that they had been looking for. I kind of just rolled over a pretty theological truth there that some people have trouble with, but I hope that silence means everybody's on board with it. Why is Abraham in heaven? Well, he's going to sacrifice his son. He was going to sacrifice his son by faith. He was sold out to God. He had faith. He had faith in the Word of God, in the Savior, in the God of the Word. No man, no man, no woman is going to heaven meeting Jesus prepared without faith. That sounds so obvious. That sounds like Sunday school. Hey, we live in a world where faith is attacked, I'm gonna throw that out to you again. We can't believe anything. Every one of you on social media, see that big old shark that's up there at Garden City. And some of you shared it and said, Look what they found. Jaws. But most of us with half a brainstem say, That's fake news. I'm striking nerves. I don't know. Well, I thought it was real. That's why I shared it. I mean, I thought for sure. I mean, it was bigger than a hotel, but I, th- I, thought, I thought it was possible. Oh, I know. Somebody, it, they didn't say it was at Garden City, it was, but it was local. That's, yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, Shamu swam up. You see where Shamu was at Myrtle Beach? But then again, we're shooting down balloons at Garden City, so who knows what's real? To <laughs> we live in a world that is anti truth. It, it seems like Scripture's coming true. What's wrong is right. What's right is wrong. People will believe a lie. Like, you, you're saying social media is part of revelation. I'm saying we got to get to a place in the world to where we can't believe the truth. we got to get to the place in the world where people will honor wrong. Can the Hit another time out real quick and just be practical. I don't want to upset anybody. Church, we're living in the last days. Now, I don't know if that means next week or next millennium. I don't know. I know we're closer today than we were yesterday. And I know we're in a place, I know we're in a place, not just in America, but in the world that we've never been before. There's always been evil. There's always been craziness. There's always been nutcases. We see it more today with social media. There's always been evil. But we're seeing prophecy fulfilled in front of us when it comes to morality, when it comes to right and wrong. I'm still young. I remember the days being preached to by old-fashioned spitting preachers that thought they knew what they were talking about. 20 years later, we find out they kind of did. But I think some of them taught some stuff just purely on faith because they didn't have any way to know some of this stuff would transpire. Two weeks ago, a transgender Girl who wants to be a boy or pretends to be a boy went into a school, a Christian school, and killed three innocent little children, three innocent workers in the school, six people total she killed in a Christian school. Now, I'm not drawing any assumptions. I'm not connecting any dots, but they're there as to why she would do that. You can't make up what I'm about to say, and I get emotional and just honestly, righteously ticked off at the garbage that has spewed from the mouths of leaders since that's happened. When something that horribly tragic takes place, and our leadership, your leadership, defends the transgender movement And the president, in his mind, whatever that state is, declares a day for transgenders in honor of her and all that they're going through as a transgender group. We've come a long, stinking way where honoring sin becomes the rule in America. Now, I didn't say anything right there that was opinion everything I said was fact. And I'm being honest. I look out and I see faces. I'm, I, got, I can't see up close, but I can see out far. And I see people that agree. And I see some people that are not really happy that I just said that. And that's a shame. Don't mean I don't like you. That's a shame. It's wrong. Transgenderism's wrong. LGBTQIER and all the other alphabet, is wrong. It's an abomination to God and to the family. And our president is affirming it and taking the side of them instead of a nine-year-old pastor's daughter who was slaughtered, and they honor the transgender. It's sick, but it tells us we're living in the last days. Nobody in a twisted mind can make that make sense. That's where we're at. I think there are people in that crowd that day like that. Man's heart's wicked. No man could know it. You might be here today and thinking, whoa, he thinks that stuff's real. I'm gonna be honest with you. There's some stuff at the back of this book that I just don't have figured out how it's gonna happen and why it's gonna happen and I don't know. But when I I wake up and can watch people not fake news, but he had come out of their mouth, the garbage that spewed, celebrating sin in our country. Right. It just it confirms and affirms everything we're seeing. There are some who said, Hosanna. It says, save us. Church, we need some people acknowledging who Jesus is and calling out. Once they realize by faith who he is, we need some people saying, save us. I mean individually. I'm not talking about the country. The country's going to do what the country's going to do. I hate that. I'm American true and true and through and through, and you know it. America's not in the back of this book. We're going to destroy ourselves with the sickness that we're seeing. I'm not sitting there just, hold on. I'm going to hold on as long as I can. I'm going to shoot as long as i got bullets. but we're coming to an end and we better be ready spiritually ready some of you fellow rednecks you're ready and you know where everything's at you got your bag and you got your clips but I'm not talking about that kind of ready I'm talking about spiritually ready where Jesus is the Lord of your life and you make a decision to call out to him in faith Hosanna save me now that's the greatest need any man, woman, boy, or girl has as a savior, a spiritual savior. There's those who cried Hosanna, and then there's those who cried or asked, Who is this? This is the part that always blows my mind. I want you to see the picture here. Parade. Hundreds, if not thousands, of people. If you, if you were there, if you've been there, you can see it. You're up on the Mount of Olives. You can see the whole city of Jerusalem. You can see the Kidron Valley. It's quite a distance down, quite a distance up. There are people throwing their clothes in front of him, chopping down trees. Probably somebody saying, what about the squirrels? They're throwing (laughs) down stuff in front of him. They're walking down the Palm Sunday Road before him and behind him on all sides of him. Hundreds, if not thousands, screaming, Hosanna, throwing palm branches. They found out. (laughs) You ready? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Can't make that up, got a little extra sweat drop there. (laughs) There are people worshiping him and this is not the first time. I want you to see the picture. For three and a half years, Jesus has been walking all over Israel. People following him. Just a couple chapters before, the wee little man's up in the tree for the Lord he wanted to see. He goes to his house. He ticks off some people. He heals some people. Other gospels say that he healed some people on the Palm Sunday Road once he got into the temple, which I think just really ticks some Pharisees off. You imagine the Pharisee saying, hey, tell them to shut up. Hey, if they do, the rocks will cry out. Boom, heal somebody. What do you think about that, Pharisee? <laughs> that's kind of what, that's my picture. I don't think Jesus was that kind of guy, but I think he kind of did that. So for three years, people are following him. There's a buzz. Who is Jesus? People climbing in trees to see him when he comes by. People crying out, heal him. Lord, I'm I'm, I'm blind. Please heal me. He's, He's doing all these work for three and a half years. Palm Sunday Road, thousands of people potentially. Worshiping him. It's a parade of parades. He goes down. I think people are coming out of the house. I think they're nosy people. What's going on out there? I'm going to go see what's going on. And there's crowds everywhere. He goes down to Kidron Valley. He goes up. Some say he goes into the sheep gates. I've been there. It's a pretty cool deal. It's where Stephen was martyred. But the sheep, sheep, sheep come into sheep gates for the slaughter. Hey, how about the Lamb of God coming into the sheep gate? That kind of makes sense. So he comes in that way. And there's people going crazy. He gets into the city. Look at what the verse says in verse 10. All the city was moved. He got to the city. The city is moved. It means there was an uproar. And they ask the question, who is this? And my question is, how do you not know who this is? And what I'm about to talk about for a minute is convicting to the church and to the Christians. And I want to ask you this question, how do people not know who he is? I couldn't have made this service work any better today. We sang good songs. People were happy in the Lord. And while a few of you were getting a little bad my thought was this. It's kind of like Palm Sunday. People are excited. Hey, I don't think there's a thing in the world wrong with having a pep rally for Jesus. We have pep rallies for everything else under the sun that don't matter. Should we have a little pep rally for? I think Sundays ought to be a a little pep rally for Jesus. Now, some of us are a little more reserved and refined, and that's all right. But we got, you know, we're doing jumping jacks on the inside, little claps. But that's all right. Does he not deserve our praise? Does he not deserve our, our hand claps? Does he not deserve our hallelujah? Does he not deserve us to submit to him and throw off our clothes? If you got a couple layers on, does he not deserve us to lay down all that we have and let him be sovereign and rule over all of it? I think, it's, I think Palm Sunday was pretty, pretty wild. But they got to the city, and there were people who didn't know who Jesus was. Now, here, here's, where I wanna, here's where I want us to go with this church, Central Baptist Church, believers, individual Christians. It's a shame for us to have a party for Jesus and go into the city and people not know who he is. Our job is to make people aware of who Jesus is. Now, here's the other area. Are people asking who Jesus is? Are people asking you who Jesus is? Are people asking me who Jesus is? I promise you this, not just on Sundays. But if we take our party, if we take our parade, if we take our Palm Sunday out of the church walls and go into the cities and make a fuss about Jesus, I, I believe what we'll see is all the city was moved. I believe we'll be seeing cities moved. People will ask questions. People want to know what's going on. People want to know who Jesus is. we got to have more Palm Sundays to wake people up. Church, I love having church together when everybody's in one accord and everybody loves everybody and the microphones are not talking back to me and everything's good and we're praising Jesus. I like it. I'm comfortable in that surrounding. But there's a world around us that needs to see us excited about Jesus. I've said it for a few years now. What's happened in American Christianity, and the government's asking us to do this in a nice way, is the compartmentalization of our faith, which means Sundays we're Christian. We can say amen, glory. We can do our little... You know, wave in church. Next week we're going to have beach balls for Easter. <laughs> but on Mondays, we're not that excited about him. I'm talking about all of us. And it just ought not be that way. If he's Lord of our life, If He's king, if He's sovereign, if we worship Him, everybody we come in contact with ought to know it, without us wearing a badge. Do they know? Are they asking? Does our city know we're excited about Jesus? Do your friends at work know you're excited about Jesus? Do your classmates at school know you're excited about Jesus? Do they know he's Lord? Do they know he's King? Do they hear us collectively saying, Hosanna? Do they see us getting all crazy about him? And if and when they do, they'll probably ask, Who is this guy? And here's the the good part. We know the answer. We know the answer. We get to tell them when they ask who he is. He's the son of God. He's perfect, sinless, savior. And he saves you from what you need to be saved from. Your sins. We tell them he... Was perfect and he was the sacrifice who paid the price for our sins because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And we tell them by faith when I was 10 or when I was 15 or when I was 30, uh, uh, by faith, professed him as Lord and his grace and his mercy saved me and brought me into a relationship with God again. We have an answer. Do you have an answer? If you're born again, you have an answer. We got to get them asking the question. Zechariah writes what's fulfilled here in Matthew 21. And he wrote to a discouraged group of people words of encouragement, words of comfort. I believe what he's saying is exactly what the last passage, phrase in the passage says Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Listen to what he says Behold, your king cometh unto thee. He came, he did what he came to do. And a few days from now, we'll celebrate. Good Friday. And we'll remember what Jesus did. But we won't sit around in sorrow as those who have no hope because we by faith believed that three days later by the power of God he raised from the dead making death pointless, making the grave worthless for the child of God and we'll celebrate that. We'll also celebrate the reality that he's coming back. Church, church, here, here's some words of encouragement. Y'all ready? Anybody discouraged? You don't have to raise your hand. We know it. Anybody discouraged? Yeah. Any Christians discouraged? Say, well, I'm doing pretty good. I got a raise this week. My new car's paid off, all that good stuff. Good. Good for you. Hey, we live in a messed up world. If we're Christian and we know it, we're discouraged. Here's, here's some more. Jesus said in John 14, just a couple days before he goes to the cross, he's telling his disciple, here's words of encouragement. Hey, church, let not your heart be troubled. If nobody's told you this this week, let me tell you, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, which version you want, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When he took off an ascension, the angel said, why are y'all standing here looking up? This same Jesus is coming back down. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, y'all ready? I will come again. He's coming back again. The king is coming back again. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going to prepare a place. If I go, I'll come back and receive you unto myself. That where I am, you may be also. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, I pray there's some encouraged Christians in this room today. God, if we look around and have half a mind, we know we're living in a messed up world. But we are encouraged to be reminded that you're coming back again. And every believer will be caught up together with you in the clouds and we'll See our loved ones who were born again, we'll meet together, and what a glad reunion and homecoming day that will be. And we're grateful for that reminder. But God, there's no doubt in this crowd today, there's somebody who's never said, Hosanna. They've never said, Save me. Maybe they never understood why they needed to be saved. I pray today your Holy Spirit has convicted their heart. They've seen themselves as lost, born a sinner, born separated from you, and in need of a Savior. And I pray today, while we sing, while we pray, that the Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, would convict their hearts, that they would see themselves as lost, see themselves as needy and in need of a Savior, and that they would, by faith, call on Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, and ask Him to save them. Your word tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pray today in this room, there'll be someone who will call out to you and ask you to save them. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.